good day everybody my name is wazi and together with elin i host this podcast the pearl dialogues where we explore the nature of reality through the lens of the diamond approach with me today i have vince Dradi, and we explore a host of different topics ranging from how to work with our instincts the power of our instincts aligning with truth in everyday life, how to maintain good health, and a host of other things. If you're new to this approach, you can check out the website in the description, which has an intro to the diamond approach. As always, I invite you to sense your arms and legs and be in the present in receiving the transmission of this conversation. I really enjoyed it. Okay. All the best. Reflecting to myself um, upon this podcast, this podcast series, so I've done about, uh, or me and Elin. Elin is another co-host. She won't be with us because she's doing some episodes and some episodes not. And then I was thinking about this podcast and, and this episode with you. And uh, reflecting on, ah, actually, I, I imagine that also Vince would be coming with a, with a sense of not knowing and how through that, the field of being or functioning from not knowing true nature or life can unfold and emerge in, in ways that is unexpected. And, and actually that is the basis for this podcast to a large extent is functioning from, from that space mm-hmm. rather than it being scripted mm-hmm. or highly defined, you could say. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So welcome to this space. Yeah. I never saw anyone who has more not knowing than Hamid. <laughs> oh yeah? That was good. Yeah. Wow. When we were when we were training, went through the training, at the end of the training, Hamid would see each one of do a session with each one of us in front of the group. So there was about twenty-five of us in the training. Twenty-five. Twenty-five back yeah. then, yeah. Yeah. And um so we did 25 sessions with him. He'd do his session and then we'd have a break and then we'd ask him questions. And we'd come back and ask him questions. Why didn't you, what did you do here? Why did you do here? What did you do here? Most of the time he'd say, because I didn't know. And for sure, the 24 of us who were watching were knowing more than he we were saying to ourselves, oh, that's a mother issue, that's a projection, and he wasn't doing that. Mm. It was very uh, impressive and impactful for me. I'd never seen anybody have more not knowing. He just kept wide open every time. He asked a question, we say, why'd you ask that? Because I didn't know. Wow. But for sure, the other 24 of us, we were knowing, right? Yeah. We had ideas about it. We thought it should go a certain way. So. That is a very interesting, interesting topic to explore, isn't it? 
So how would you yeah. say that has grown in you over time? How has that matured in you, I imagine, over, over the years? I mean, you sharing that nugget of wisdom and, and, and that observation, I wonder, how has that matured in you over the years? Well, it's, it's a maturation, you know, like that's a good word for it. And also I have a, my private teacher, Karen Johnson, she wouldn't, if she didn't understand the slightest thing that I was saying, she goes, I don't know what you're talking about. Even though something I might say that someone else, say I'm feeling presence or uh, I have an idea about something. So I also got trained by her. Like if she didn't know exactly, didn't feel that I knew exactly, either she didn't know exactly or I didn't know exactly, she would ask. So I think that just gave me a model to be that way with my students, to ask them questions that might seem so simple that to your friend wouldn't, your friend wouldn't challenge it or your friend, everyone would say, I know, it was kind of a common understanding. I know what you're talking about. And having those two as models just makes, it was helpful to see, I can just keep asking my students these very basic questions. Well, what's going on? I don't understand what you mean. So that, that was very helpful to feel relaxed about it because, you know, when you become a teacher, the idea is a teacher should know. Mm. It's actually, the more you develop as a teacher, the more you let yourself, as you're leading into, not know. And to live a life like that. I mean, Hamid once said, that's how he spent, that's how he walks around most of the day not knowing. <laughs> yeah. I, the word or the sense of liberation actually opens up in my soul when, when you say that, because there is something so liberating about not. Yeah. And obviously, unless, unless one is in reaction to it or in judgment about it or something mm -hmm. like that. But if, if the not knowing is allowed, I don't also notice that there is a sense of fullness to it. There is a, there is an opening about it. There is a, an availability. Yes. Freedom. Yeah. How would you describe that freedom for yeah. yourself? Well, the first word that comes up is simplicity. Mm. Like the usual self is always trying to assert itself. This is this, this is this, this is a tree, this is that person through a kind of usual kind of knowing. So when you think of not knowing, it's just pure simplicity. You look at a tree, you don't know, you're not naming it. You look at your partner, you look at your kids, you look at your students. That not knowing is, is just pure simplicity, mm. which is a huge challenge to the normal sense of self. There'll be great resistance to it. Yes. And I know from my own life, uh, <clears throat> I work as a school teacher, primary school teacher. I have been for the last year. Oh. And in that, 
<laughs> so 11 and 12 years old years old uh, i have a 12 year old son you have huh <laughs> yeah yeah I, mean, I have a 25 year old daughter but i have a 12 year old son too as well huh nice yeah. yeah and and i just noticed within that space being in that field being in the world where not knowing is quite rare, I would say. People are primarily trying to figure things out and in the know and trying to find the, uh, to grasp what's going on. How would you say bringing this wisdom into your everyday life, in, into parenting, into daily tasks, grocery shopping, uh, how do you view that? And, and what's your personal experience with that? Well, you get supported by the practices, right? The sensing will allow the simplicity. The sensing is a direct experience. Right? It's not a it's not a a usual knowing. Meditation helps with that space, right? To not know. And then the ongoing inquiry about who wants to know, who who's arising, what's what's the inner dialogue, what's the chatter, what's the judgment. So those aren't going to go away automatically, just in the simplicity. Those will still arise. So we learn how to work with those. Hmm. But it definitely, I think for all of us to walk around, because the fear is, because the experience is, I have an empty head. Right? And from culture, that's considered a negative. You're empty-headed, you're air-headed. you start to allow yourself to get comfortable. No, my head is empty, actually. We don't need to know a lot of things. We don't need to have an inner dialogue going all the time. Hmm. Then, you know, you turn towards the strawberries and you want strawberries, it happens, right? <laughs> and then that's it. Yeah. But I mean, I think for myself and everyone's ongoing process. Yeah. One thing that I see is, and also see as a challenge, is the intersection between <laughs> this deeper experience of freedom and, and not knowing and how they intersect with the instincts. For instance, the self-preservation instinct, the sexual instinct, which can be so intense, such intense uh, energies and, and cravings and desires and needs that arise in 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 in, in one's body physically uh, as emotions or whatever it may be and and as habits you know i eat every day 4 p.m for instance right that can put you out of a space of not knowing for instance if, if you're in a space of not knowing then there would probably be less of that um can you can you see that have you uh, I'm, I'm curious about if you have anything to say about that i have a lot to say about it yeah wonderful i think about it all the time <laughs> i think about it all the time yeah because the instincts are so primary yeah now a lot of spiritual tradition traditions start with the instincts right they start with social, sexual, survival relating, right? Well, let's take care of that. Let's put a boundary on that. Let's put a limit on that as a way to support some kind of realization. That's some good function. Diamond approach tends to do the instincts later. 
because it's quite sophisticated to work with the instincts in an intelligent way where you're not repressing them, you're not acting them out. But the instincts are aligned with the self, aligned with the sense of self, right? So every movement, every spiritual practice we do will be considered a threat to the usual sense of self because of the instincts. So I, if you want to meditate, right? What are you doing? Basically disidentifying from the usual sense of self. Everyone thinks that's a great idea. More mindfulness, right? What people tend not to understand is how deep a threat that is to the sense of self, to the existence of the self. The existence of the self is based on identification, unknowing, asserting oneself. So if we start to do practices, which we do, right, in the school, oriented that way, which we love, inquiry, meditation, sensing, all of those will challenge the instincts. So I think it's very helpful that people realize the power that's involved, the counterforce that's involved in this. And if you see that objectively, you can't help but be compassionate. You can't help but bring the kindness. You can't help but bring the love to the one who's trying to stay alive. Because it brings an objectivity to how difficult deep spiritual work is. Yeah. Which is different than having experiences. Right? You have experiences in a retreat or in a session or an inquiry like those Simon approach the way it's structured makes it not so hard to have those, right? All the intelligence and beauty around that. Yeah. But the work for people ongoing will be working with the instincts or the animal soul, we often call it. Mm. And you mentioned practices uh, several times, and, and I resonate with, with that. In everyday life, uh, how, uh, what do you view as an effective way of working with the instincts and those instinctual energies and drives? Yeah. Well, I, these days, I kind of look at four parts of the teaching. For, the, for my students. So they're used to hearing this a lot. So the force of the instinct is so strong. Right? It was survival instinct, right? Working with those needs another kind of force. And that force is being in touch with your deepest desire. You won't overcome the instincts with your individual effort. No way. Not gonna, and if you do, it's gonna come out sideways, which we know, you know. Many, many experiences of people with deep, deep realizations acting out in hurtful ways. So, what I see in myself, what I see in my students, and I'm always been studying Hamid since I read his first book, right? How does he do what he does? It really took me 20 years to understand Luminous Night's journey, that book. One thing is clear for Hamid was he loved the truth. Emphasis on the word love. 
right? Because that's where the power is. That's where the force is. So he was just able to align with that. Most people are not clear about what they most deeply desire. It's, it's not a simple thing. Once you're clear that that force, that love will do the work. Right? It won't, you won't have to be struggling with your sexual instinct or your social instinct. But it's quite a process to be aligning with that on a regular basis. Whatever it is, doesn't, the diamond approach posits the ideal of love of truth, right? That's not it for everyone. Not everyone would kind of assume that sometimes. You have to find it for yourself. Some people want peace. Some people want freedom. Some people want to be of service. And it might change. Mm. For me, it doesn't matter what it is. It's aligning with that force. Mm. That's, that's the, the first, the ground of that. Man, that is a gold nugget. <laughs> it's gold. That is so gold. That is so gold. It took me a long time, you know? Like, that's why I tell people to read Rumi. Or I tell people, all my students, they have to read um, Heart Dweller. Heart, you know Heart Dweller? By Karen? Who, who, who wrote that? Ami. Heart Dweller. I don't know if I've read that, actually. Okay. Good. I've read all I the books. Make, get another convert. But, but that's not a this book. This is not a book. It's not a book. It's yeah. about 30 pages. They call it a lithograph. First yeah. thing, I think it's the first thing you ever wrote. Yeah, wow. So put that on your list. Yeah, definitely. Because this is before the realization. Yeah. This is when he's talking about his burning, his longing, his sense of failure. He doesn't know what to do. He's praying. All the stuff le that led to the diamond approach. Yeah. Wow. So a lot of people don't know, you know. <laughs> you read the books and it's all all baked, right, in a beautiful way. So once you see, he went through that process, longing and burning, but it's the longing was so key. His connection with Rumi is so important. Mm. So I encourage all my students, cultivate the relationship to the longing, which not simple. Yeah. Because as usual, usual self will resist. Hmm. So that's first, and maybe the hardest. Very interesting. Um, on the back of that, uh, I love this thread. I think it's a beautiful thread to explore. There's a question that comes up for me, which is, <laughs> who, who would you say you are? What do you mean? <laughs> that's a good question <laughs> i'm just wondering yeah i don't know why where that question comes from who it's, it's the question who are you like who, who 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 would you say you are it's a very um open question really how that however that lands in you i it's just a curious question Oh, it makes me curious what your what's what's the motivation like what what which what are you feeling to ask that what are you hoping for or looking for 
Yeah, okay. Yes, yeah, good. So where it comes from is actually is because what you're sharing seems to be ancient uh, wisdom, right? There is, for me, there is, a, there is a deep truth to what you're sharing that is uh, very precious and deep and foundational, fundamental. And in some, like, intuitively, I felt that I could, I could see your soul as a personal soul somehow. I could, I could attune to your individual consciousness. And, 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 and you are obviously referring to your teachers, Karen and Hamid, but I also hear that the wisdom is actually being channeled through you uh, in, in the sense that you were saying, um, it took me 20 years to understand this in, in this lifetime. So that's actually where it's coming from that I, you know, there's just a, a sense of something ancient coming through and, and what I'm connecting to, it seems like, is, is your personal soul or your personal individual consciousness somehow. Um, so that's, that's where it came from. So that was kind of a, a, a something that came into me, a glimmer or something. And then it, it came out through that question. Yeah. So now that you've inquired into that, yeah. See if you have the same question. <laughs> I feel emptiness. I feel emptiness. I feel an openness and then the not knowing. Yeah. Hmm. Very interesting. May I, may, I, may I ask what, I, what you are experiencing now? You can ask anything. Okay. Yeah, you can ask anything. Okay. Yeah. What are you experiencing I'm now? experiencing pleasure, like seeing what's unfolding in you. Like, uh, I feel a pleasure. Hmm. And an emptiness, like you're experiencing. Like when you say, who are you? I don't, I never think of it that way, right? Sometimes I'm a dad, sometimes I'm a husband, sometimes I'm a teacher, but it's not something I relate to, that question. Hmm. Would you say that you relate to the question of what are you more? I don't usually think in those terms. I notice what I'm experiencing in any given moment. Yeah. Now, I'm always asking my students who, and they say, I feel fear. I feel a judgment. I'm always saying who, yeah. mostly to point them to the identity. Yeah. Right? If you're not, if you're not identified, you won't have that feeling of who. Mm. It's more, I am, but not as an identity. So I, I move around, right? Sometimes I'm identified. Yeah. Sometimes I'm reactive. Sometimes I'm not. You know, on the meditation seat, I'm a Buddha. Mm. And when my 
Wife's not happy with me, I'm somebody else. So I don't think of, I don't think like who am I? Yeah. And that's it's what's happening at the moment. That's that's yeah. Yeah. But it's an important question. I ask my students to ask themselves all the time when they have a reaction. Yeah. Who am I taking myself to be? And and so forth. Yeah. Now even I just say who. Yeah, who? Because even I, who would I take myself to be could be one step removed. Yeah, it was primarily to elaborate. Who's her? Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm with you. Yeah. 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 Now, circling back to the question around love and love for the truth, before coming to that understanding of uh, love for the truth, could you could you share on your own arc of love, your journey with love, what you loved and and what you love now? Do you resonate with um, the the expression or the, the the ideal love for the truth for its own sake, or do you have or other things that you would say is more uh, home to you in terms of how your love is expressed? Mm -hmm. That's a big question. I think more now I'm in touch with the love of truth, but that's been quite a development. My relation to the spiritual path has been more of, I didn't know what I loved, but I knew something was going on from a very early age and I wanted to understand it. So that, that, that relationship has been the, defining my life until really I found the diamond approach. When I, as soon as I read that first book, I was like, okay, this is, this is the path I want. But before that was not being clear and not knowing, knowing there's something happening. There's the, that the presentation of the world is not what it is in its fundamental way, like presentation from family or culture or society. I wasn't calling it love back then. There's more I was aware of something and I felt um, I needed, needed to find out. It was more like that. Hmm. Could call it a love, but it didn't feel like this big heart felt thing. It felt like quite a process where I saw what was false, but I didn't know what was true. Hmm. Would you say that the I knew it was true? But... Yeah, I was going to say, would you say that the belly was involved with that? Because often the like need and desire can can involve the belly as well, and and perhaps the instincts. Uh, what do you see about that? I think more it was a head centered thing. When I was young, maybe thirteen or fourteen, I got the sense it was very clear to me that that the world was empty, that reality was fundamentally empty. And that I wasn't fundamentally a separate being, which sounds wonderful, but it was very difficult to to stay with. Mm. I actively pushed it down because there was no place for it to land. Like literally, I just said, "I've 
I was probably in seventh or eighth grade when I started to feel that. And I said, I wait to get to high school. I thought maybe high school would have something, a place for it to land, you know? Yeah. And when I got to high school, no, it was still dominant in my consciousness or a lot in my consciousness, but there was nowhere. I didn't see any, anybody talking like that, or I wasn't in touch with books like that. I, some contact with Plato so was helpful, but I didn't quite understand it. So then most of the rest of my teens, I actively said no, suppressed it until, until I really forgot it. And I suppressed it so well, which we all do at some level, right? From a young age, we all know what we are. This was very conscious suppression mm. and didn't wake up again until someone handed me a uh, college unusual circumstances from the library had the complete illustrated book of yoga it's old black and white pictures um but it had a philosophy section and there i opened it up and then non-duality time space soul finally you know I, that was such a turning point in my life when that book landed in my hands hmm. i wasn't calling it love it was uh it was a struggle, really. Because mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's a struggle to have these realizations, but there's nowhere for it to land. Yeah. And then not, you know, then I, it's not till I read the Diamond Approach where I, I really, after, what did I say, 20, like 28, 29, when I found that book. So from 20 to 28, nine, I was still trying lots of different things. Hmm. But I was looking for, I knew there had to be some, I was calling it back then, at least common denominator practice. Like you didn't have to have a special teacher or a special book or superhuman powers. Like there had to be some way that anyone could allow their soul to unfold. And when I saw a diamond approach, when I read that first book, I thought, oh, this was it. You just you stay with your experience. Now we know how hard that is, right? So that's what the teaching is all about. But that's the core. Once I saw that, I knew basically I was home in terms of a spiritual path. Mm. You stay with your experience. Hmm. That's it. That's it. <laughs> Which makes a lot of sense. <laughs> the hardest thing to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it does make a lot of sense because what is life beside experience, right? You know, it's just an ongoing process of experience, essentially. Yeah. So if you learn how to stay with your experience in the most real, intimate, true way, you know, it's, uh, <laughs> it's yeah, there's just something essential about that. Yeah, and that comes from the love because you want to, not because you want to achieve something or get somewhere. And that's where Hamid was able to be so pure in his love of truth. Mm. He wasn't going through the diamond approach. I say sometimes he and Karen were the only ones not burdened with the teaching. <laughs> I get you. I get you. Yeah. Right, because we're always referencing now with this vast teaching, yeah. we tend to reference. Oh, there's that. That's that. Should I be there? 
they weren't doing that. They were just on the journey exploring. Mm. Yeah. And then the pros of, of actually going in the diamond approach is that you have diamond approach teachers, for instance, that can actually guide you. I hear a lot of people saying, I would have just loved to have a diamond approach teacher when this was happening in my life or at that stage of my right. life. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's a great blessing. And yeah, the teachers and the teaching should always be oriented to your individual experience of the teaching. Yeah. Right. But that's a big thing. How to engage with the logos of the teaching without, you know, sometimes you gotta let the teacher go, the teaching go, what's your own experience, but it takes time. Hmm. Right. Cause the, the teaching itself is so compelling, right? You go to a weekend and you go to a retreat. Teaching is so magical and interesting. Yeah. So the dialectic that comes comes up for me when you speak about that is dependency, independency. So they can develop, and I, I imagine this manifests on a spectrum for each individual, that one can become over-dependent on the conceptualization of the teaching. Um, so to find the balance between really staying true to your experience, independent of the teaching, meaning just a direct relationship with reality itself without contextualizing it within the teaching and actually living in the most raw expression possible. Um, and then seeing where that can meet the logos of the teaching, you could say. And, and obviously this is, this is, is, uh, is not a separate, there is no essential separation there, but, but I'm just making a distinction, which I, 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 that comes up for me when you speak about this. Yeah. Well, I just know how I related to the teaching for many years. It wasn't necessarily an intellectual or conceptualization of the teaching. Go to the teaching and you know, if you got your butt to the chair and you paid attention and did the inquiry, something really good was gonna happen. Yeah. Like you could count on it. Yeah. You didn't have to do much. Yeah. Just show up and it was a real experience, right? Yeah. It felt great. And then then you leave and then you know we used to meet once a month. So I knew there'd be another teaching in a month. Yeah. And it would be good. Yeah. So in that way, that, that's more what I was talking about. The teaching. You don't have to struggle for years and years, like sitting facing a wall or going through a lot of stuff. Like teaching provides quite quickly with the with the wisdom and knowledge of how to access essence. So for me, I know that became, because I go and get the goodies. Yeah. It was real, like it was meeting something real, <laughs> no. um, but I was using it like a kind of crutch or candy shop or something like that. Yeah. Interesting, yeah. I wouldn't say I've, I, 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 I can't identify the same. I, I, I see that as a, as, as a thing. Um, I, I wouldn't say that I've been able to identify the same pattern in myself explicitly. I remember when I came to it, I started reading the books only for, 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 for a very long time. And in that sense, mm -hmm. that gave me an, an opportunity to be in some sense more independent because I was just grappling with my process and getting the transmission through the books only. So I didn't have 
that reference, you could say, or I didn't have something to depend on in the same way. I was just there, the books. And, uh, and, and I recognize that, I recognize now how that gave me a sense of independence and, and actually a, a deeper grounding in, in what we're speaking about here in terms of just staying true to my own experience first and foremost and, and the relationship with reality itself. Um, yeah. Great. Yeah. Yeah. I read all the books too, but I didn't, I wasn't so grounded that way. I see. I just enjoyed, you know, because we met every month. So I knew every month there'd be another teacher. It wasn't conscious, right? I wasn't thinking this out loud, but looking back, I could see Yeah, that it was a little, it had a certain immaturity to it. Hmm. Wow. Oh. I have a, I have a, an interesting question. What, what do you feel in life? When, when, when do you have the most fun in life? Hmm. Most fun. It's a nice question to contemplate. I love meditation. I don't know if you call that fun, but I like deep, satisfaction joy around meditation and sunday was father's day so we got on the kayak and paddled up the river and jumped off a rope swing you know it was a lot of fun for me i like physical i like physical things i've always been very physical so um you know i've had I have two kids so that's a lot of fun having kids dancing you know this i have a lot of fun in my life so I have a follow-up question. When when would you say you laugh the loudest, like the deepest laughter where you just like burst out? <laughs> if you can relate to that. Yeah. I'm thinking about where we were, we were riding, getting up the rope swing, I had to climb a tree and I fell off the tree, hit a branch and fell in the water. And my son burst out laughing. Like he laughed so hard. I couldn't believe it. <laughs> he said, Dad, if I had a camera, we put that on YouTube, you get a billion views. <laughs> so that made me laugh, you know, even though I was hurting, my back was hurting. <laughs> uh -oh. yeah. My kids, I laugh with my wife. I laugh a lot. I don't know when the loudest laugh would be. Yeah. Out in nature, I like to do stuff out in nature. It makes me laugh. Hmm. And sometimes you, you know, you get the cosmic joke, right? The emptiness of everything. Yeah. Remember the first time I laughed that way, right? Uh -huh. I, I remember that laugh. Yeah. <laughs> Not to be forgetting. Working hard. Yeah, right? At a retreat, I was working, meditating, working, working, and then, oh my God, it's just a joke, right? <laughs> yeah. I do remember that laugh. First time I laughed like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, mm, yeah. I love those ones.
Yeah, I can I, I can get that <clears throat> when I'm with friends, and and we recognize we recognize often is connected to recognizing the same thing in the same moment, and usually it has a component of 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 insight. So arriving at the same in, insight at the same moment and simultaneously being aware of the cosmic joke of it all, usually that leads to that eruption of laughter, which is just like thunderous. <laughs> uh, well, it's nice to have friends like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. Yeah, I'm really grateful for that. That's such an important aspect for life in life for me. I mean, without that, oof, yeah. I just love to have fun in these ways. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and you're in Norway, did I read? Okay. I'm in Norway, correct. Where? Oslo. Mm -hmm. Yeah, have you been? been there. Yeah, I've been there. Oh, nice. What occasion? Oslo. Occasion, I used to be a runner. I was a professional runner ah. way back in the day. So I ran Oslo Bislet Games. Oh. You know, every year they have a big track meet in Oslo, very famous in track world. Yeah. And then we went to a little town, I think called Bergelo? Bergen. In the fjords? Was it? Burslo, I don't, I've never heard about Burslo now. I'm probably not pronouncing it correctly. Yeah. There's yeah. a little town in the fjords. They grew minks or something. Oh, they had a track meet over there too. Ah. You still run? No. No, that was a long time ago. Yeah. So do you exercise nowadays? How do you keep your body fit and healthy? Yeah, I learned a Qigong practice. I lived in Asia for a couple of years and uh, learned a Qigong practice, this five animal form that I just have stuck with for 30 something years. So I try to do that every morning. And then uh, we moved from California to Virginia two years ago. I live in the woods here so I can... Every day I walk in the woods to a river, jump in the river. So that's, that's my exercise. Mm, cold. Is it cold? It's cold in the winter. Yeah. Oh, and you swim in the winter? It's warm in the summer. <laughs> you swim in the winter as well? I don't say swim. I stay in there for two minutes, you know? You like do, huh? Cold water thing, yeah. Got yeah, that. you got onto that, huh? <laughs> I got onto that. <laughs> yeah, good. It's really good. I miss I miss having the cold water in the summer. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So being in that experience of being in it in two minutes, thinking about you know when it's at its coldest, how does that challenge you, and and how do you kind of apply yourself when when that when you're in that situation experience? He is relaxing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, to go into super cold water, it's a buildup. Right? When I first moved here, I couldn't do it. So it took a year of finishing my showers with cold water, right? It builds brown fat. So it's not like you jump in and you have this shock when you're not used to it. So that's, that's different. People think if you go into cold water, you have that shock feeling every time. No, that would be too much. <laughs> Traumatizing, right? So it's more like you go in, it's not shocking, but it starts moving the blood in very intense ways. It's mostly relaxing, so I have a lot of practice doing that. Um, that's the main thing, not much different than our own sensing practice, like staying relaxed, 
Mm. But it doesn't hurt like when I first did it. It just hurt. Yeah. It does, this doesn't hurt. It's just you have to deal with all the intense blood flow. Ah, shooting to your head and <laughs> going shooting to your organs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, appreciate that discrimination. Um, because cold water swimming is quite popular here in Norway as well. I I, I do it a fair bit, I would mm. say. And I also have been doing Yeah. Yeah, 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 definitely. And and and, and sometimes it's paired with sauna. That's an ex excellent. Yeah, we have saunas. Yeah, I have a sauna. You do have a sauna as well, huh? Yeah, yeah. I have an infrared sauna. Yeah. Ah, nice one. And uh, and also doing this cold water showers. Actually, ending with cold water. I've been doing that for years now. This is a really yeah. good good thing to yeah. you know keep the body alive. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was talking about it with my friend. They're like, "Oh, it's good spiritual practice." And I said, "I don't know," you know. Because you know, when you get in cold water, yeah. you feel a certain kind of pride. No. Right? I can hear you. I can hear you. It's good for the ego. Like <laughs> if you make it, if you, you like to talk it. about it. Yeah, it can be, can be. If you make it. <laughs> I don't know what it's like cold water swimming in Norway. That's a whole different thing. <laughs> I mean, you can get cold, I tell you that. Yeah, it's well, hot outside, right? Yeah, I mean, one time I went, um, it was minus 10 degrees in the air. It's super cold. And I went to the ocean, diving oh. in the ocean, swimming in the ocean, and then getting out minus eight degrees, and then trying to get dressed. <laughs> no, that's another level for me. I, I don't go in that, you know, it doesn't get so cold here. Okay, how, do, how cold does it get? Well, I shouldn't say it gets, you know, at night it gets into the, this Fahrenheit, I would deal with Fahrenheit in the twenties and teens, maybe. So 32 is zero, right? Yeah. So I've never, I, I've never gone in the water when the outdoor temperature is less than zero Celsius. Okay. Okay. Yeah. 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 No. yeah, so yeah. You're next level. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, good, 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 good. <laughs> yeah, that was a little bit of a tangent, but I yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's life, you know. So, so I'm curious how how has it been to to you've worked with Karen for a long time now? I imagine. I mean, how many years? Thirty. Thirty years. Mm. Yeah. How would you describe your relationship with your teacher in that way? Your private session teacher. Well, it's changed over the years, right? So, um, I don't think there's one way to describe it. I mean, we're not, we don't hang out together outside sessions, but we work together. Like we work together on the building and we teach together sometimes. Mm -hmm. um, I just have such a deep respect for her, for her love her love of the work, for her realization, her precision, her pushing me sometimes. Um, so there's an intimacy that's really unique. And that's true often with teachers and students, like your teacher, you have experiences with your teacher that you never have with anyone else. 
because your teacher can go so far, right? And been down that path. So uh, I say deep respect and intimacy. And now what I'm curious about is the threshold of ending a session. When you've been in a private session, you've had these experiences. I can imagine that that, part, that threshold of moving out of session and into just day-to-day -day or whatever it may be, um, I can imagine that people relate to that differently. Like some people may flow with a sense of contact with the, with the material that emerged. Some people might go like a light switch, you know, they're, they're, the light switch is on, they're in session, and then they go out of session and then it goes off, you know, straight into... So how, how, how do you view that? And, and do you have anything to share upon that? That's a good question. You know, even these days when I teach on Zoom, I do a group or a small group, I always tell people, okay, if you can, when you turn off the computer, right? Put down the laptop, even five seconds before you move to something else. Right, because we all know how compelling the functioning and relating is, right? Triggers all these neural pathways about functioning, relating, and sort of, you know the instinct. So, um, I think it's just good to be conscious. In the early days, I had trouble. I couldn't function so great afterwards. I had to give quite a bit of time the session was so impactful and I actually the first few years I really it was hard it's hard to function in the first half hour or so it's not like that now but I, I still always make a gap after my sessions I have a gap between whatever I do next but yeah I think it's a great question that everyone involved in spiritual practice is, it's good to keep conscious mm. As, as we know, you know, you could be on a three-month meditation retreat and feel like I know reality completely and get in the car to drive home and someone cuts you off. Mm. <laughs> you know, a car is a good place to check your realization. <laughs> <laughs> your, your family and your car. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and that's where the kindness and the love and, you know, okay, look, who's reacting? Yeah. Who's angry? Who's judging? You know, that question. <laughs> yeah. Who's reacting? Who is screaming? screaming? Who is... So when it comes to these emotions, people sp speak about the distinction between actually expressing your emotions, you know, being true and real in that way. Um, sometimes anger is actually useful in certain situations. Um, um, or is it, right? So what are your reflex reflections on actually, you know, expressing those emotions versus inquiring into them versus just allowing whatever to come through or is happening to come through. Mm -hmm. what's, what's your take on that? Yeah, it's a good question. I don't have one take on it. I think 
key is disidentified. So that's where the who question comes in. Like, who's angry? Okay, once you have, once you disidentify, oh, there's a structure. There's a young structure who's angry. When I say disidentify, doesn't mean to move away. The more you disidentify with something, the more you can be intimate with it, right? You're not in it. So you're not caught up in it. So, oh, you can, oh, that's it. Let me feel that. Yeah. And so that the more disidentified you are, the more you can actually feel it. Then there's less impulse to discharge it. Right? The more identified you are, the more you're going to need to discharge it because you can't tolerate it. Mm-hmm. And this is me. I hate you, or I'm angry with you, or I'm withdrawing. Or, but if you're not, if you see like, oh yeah, that's that's the structured part of my soul, this young, hurt, scared part. And when you have that space, which is not, you know, I realized what Hamid it was able to do so well, disidentify, not dissociate, right? Disidentify. And then you can come close to it. Oh, what's that feel like? What's what's that anger like? And you know, all the ways we know how to do that. Sometimes it's helpful to hit and kick, but hit and kick while feeling. Hit and kick was that? Hit and kick while feeling. What is hit and kick? Hit and kick, like you're on the mat, you know, hit and kick. And do you ever do that on the mat? Your teacher have you hit and kick? And I only work online, unfortunately. I would have loved to 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 do that. Yeah, I, I haven't happened. That haven't happened to me now. Oh, well, you can ask your teacher and you set up a mat or a bed or whatever and get the camera there. You can yeah. get on. The, I do it online. Okay. And so part of it is that's a big discharge, making sounds, hitting, kicking, different kinds of breathing. Yeah. Really useful and important to break the pattern, our usual tension patterns. Mm. But there's a difference between hitting, if you know, acting it out, like say discharging it while you're feeling it. And I have a friend who is a researcher and she said, I was telling her about it. And she said, well, the research shows people expressing their anger. It just tends to continue the cycle or even build the cycle. You get angry and you, you, you express your anger and she, she's right, right? That will just continue to keep that cycle in place. Well, most people do for angry people or if they're feeling hatred or they're withdrawing or they're sad, whatever. When you discharge, or excuse me, when you disidentify it, then you can let yourself really feel what it feels like in your body. And then the breathing and the movement will help you feel it even more. And then you can work through it. It's you can't work through these things just through the mind or just through understanding. All that understanding has to come through the, the body. And sometimes, plenty of times it's fine to sit and breathe in your chair. But it's often good to have more space, like a mat, and get on the mat and move and yell and jump or hit. Hmm. So yeah, ask your teacher. They know how to do it. Um, but definitely, you know, I think even for myself, I tend to do it less on Zoom, but encourage my students have have a setup. We may not get on the mat every time, but have it set up. And usually more in the beginning, in the first 10 years or 15 years. I was on the mat every session for 15 years, probably. Mm. Yeah, not so much anymore. I see. Yeah. Yeah. 
And obviously, different teachers apply that practice more or less, depending on, you know, what worked for them and or maybe exactly. approach. So exactly. Yeah, exactly. You know, yeah. and for me, I need to keep fresh every time. Am I getting into a rut? Am I not doing it or I am doing it? You know, we all get into patterns and yeah. Zoom has changed things a lot. Yeah. Well, it's, it's opened it up so you can have a teacher while you're sitting in Norway. Yeah, 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 exactly. Right? Yeah. That's fantastic. Fantastic. Yeah. But it's always a good question. You know, um, generally, you don't need to express your anger to people in general, if you're, especially if you're not feeling it. You say, I'm angry, and you can feel the anger rather than saying, You're a jerk. Mm. You know, there's a big difference. Yeah. It takes a lot of practice. Mm. Capacity. Yeah. Um, Personally, a work in progress myself. Mm. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Definitely. Mm. <clears throat> yeah. Another curiosity that comes to me is uh, in this stage of your journey, what do you find to be much most alive for you? There's two two ways. It's my personal, what I'm feeling personally, and how I'm functioning as a teacher. So I spend a lot of time thinking what's working for Diamond Approach students with this teaching, with these practices. What's what's not happening? What you know? I don't want to have a student who's been in school ten or twenty years and they don't know how to relate to themselves with kindness or love. Hmm. But that happens. So what what's what what's missing in me? Like what what am I not doing? What's not happening? And what could happen better in the school? So that takes up a lot of my time, a lot of my interest. It just happens. That's what I'm doing these days. And I find, experiment with my students all the time, trying things out. And uh, so as, as my, in my functioning way, that's, that's where I'm sitting. Hmm. In my own personal process, Yes, it might be different on any given day. What I'm teaching, right? So um, what with, I'm in a few groups. I'm in one group. We're teaching the absolute. So that's been really good to revisit that experience of the absolute. You know, I'm working with Karen. She's more hanging out in the third and fourth turning. So that the experience more tends to be in that way. Um, so I don't know if there's one thing. Yeah. Yeah. I'm more adjust I'm adjusting. I lived in California 30 years, so we've just been here two years. So I'm not hanging out with my friends as much. I'm more in nature so much. So I'm more it's a more inner inner time for me than it has been. Mm. But there's a lot, lot to say about it. Yeah. Hmm. What's your what's your take on um, what would you say is the main difference between elder and youth? What's your impression of the distinction between being older and younger? And how do you see that maybe within the context of the school? I have to say I don't contemplate it that much. Yeah. I'm glad you bring it up, and you're on the youth council, and so. I'm there's a youth council, 
Um, you know, I've been a teacher for a while, so most of my students are older. <laughs> I don't teach new groups. I don't have new students. Mm. Um, I try to think, do I have a couple of students in their 40s? Probably. <laughs> 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 late, late 40s. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to think, like, is there anyone left in the room? <laughs> <laughs> there might be, and I'm sure they'll be offended if they watch this, but I can't think of it right now. But um, yeah. it's interesting to me. It's interesting, right? It's a different time for you. How old are you? I'm 29. 29, right? So that's when I got into the school. Mm. It's hard to find Hamid. Uh, he, he was... Unless he was teaching a group, he would give a talk maybe once every two or three years. Yeah. At that time when you got into the school. And he was around, I lived every lived in the, in the area, in Berkeley, Oakland area. But mm -hmm. um, yes, yeah, not so different now. You just can click on YouTube and find endless videos mm -hmm. of Hamid and he's been teaching in all the groups. And yeah. Um, so I actually I have to be honest, I haven't contemplated your question. Yeah, it's fine. Um, you know, I have a 25-year-old daughter, so I know that from that way, but not in terms of spiritual life. I mean, so much is available. Like the struggles I went through in my teens looking for something. You just click on anything on, on the internet and you find all these non-dual teachings channel teachings it's just so much available yeah which has got its benefits and it's uh probably it's drawbacks right because there's so much people tend not to pick something and then go deeply into it mm. so that's the value of having a path having a non-dual experience it's not that terribly hard if you create the circumstances. You know, do an inquiry or meditation retreat or some plant medicine or whatever. Like, those things are available. And they're great, right? To show people reality. I only know from what I know and see is that spiritual work is really challenging. Mm -hmm. Right back to where we started, like the instincts. Yeah. So many experiences won't challenge the instinct. What challenges the instincts is the ongoing, repeated, who is this, right? What's it like to sense my body deeply? Mm. If you're going to sense your body deeply, it's going to challenge the survival instinct. Guaranteed. But I don't know that many paths beside the diamond approach who go into the detail of that and all the support it needs, the teachers, the small groups, the private sessions, your friends, the teaching, like. And we used to, you know, I mean, now I sound like I'm ancient, but, but we used to meet more, right? Every month we'd have a weekend and then two small groups a month. See my teacher every week, if I could afford it, right? Or every two weeks, if I could afford it, right? So everything was going towards that, but you know, living in San Francisco and probably my rent was like sharing a place for 250 bucks or 400 I don't know what it was but so much more expensive you live in one of the most expensive cities on the planet right yeah. 
Fortunately, people got higher wages as well because not every, higher wages. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for, not every place is like that. Uh, yeah, that's a good point. That's yeah. a good point. Yeah, but you have you know time. There's so much time filled up with internet, yeah, connecting, yeah. and like that's a different life, right? And money and time. People tend not to meet in the diamond approach as much, mm. and maybe that's fine. I don't know. I guess to go back to the main thing. I don't know. Yeah. And I do <laughs> know that. Question. And, and, and I do know that more people actually meet online, which is which is pretty amazing with the with the you know the digital revolution is that so many okay. people have their sole family, so to say, or French circle online where they meet for inquiries and so forth. So you know, the digital age and the new age has afforded us that. But meeting Fantastic. a person, uh, less so, I imagine, for, for many, just because of the business and the modern modern era. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't know, maybe I'll take up that contemplation, but I haven't contemplated it yet. I guess and, and maybe it's not been so relevant, yeah? <laughs> not really. <laughs> but I, I care about it. Like, I'm glad, you know, you're yeah. doing what you're doing. and. Uh, I'd have to hear more about your experience. I'd have to hear more about what a young person's experience of the diamond approach is. So I just don't hear that. Yeah, that makes sense. Having been in the school for such a long time. Yeah. I'm actually really curious about the song you sent. Shall we enjoy that together? Oh, sure, sure.
how does that that type of music impact you or how does that touch you that type of music or that song well sounds like probably similarly to how it's touching you <laughs> yeah yeah for me it's it's that kind of music opens to the mystery mm. Like, especially as a teacher, right? We can talk about all the things we know. But really, but we don't know. So much we don't know. Mostly we don't know. And that, that's the beauty, right? There's a real beauty in the mystery and the not knowing. So I like that song for that. It's very patient. Musicians are very patient. How about for you? The first thing that I'm, that I'm with is the beautiful synchronicity between our opening topic around not knowing mm. and, and the mystery that, that was uh, combined in, in, in that inquiry. And then this music coming towards the end is as if I feel the music we've been playing here, you were, you shared with us here has been the background music for our whole conversation in some way. So when, when it came, when, yeah. when it came through, I just, yes, <laughs> exactly. Nice. Yeah. 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 It's been a delight to get to know you and, and uh, also pick your brain a little bit, pick your soul. I don't know if we can use that expression for that, but I really enjoyed, <laughs> <laughs> I really enjoyed being with you and uh, yeah, I really appreciated uh, yeah, both the what's coming come through and the feel, the experience at large and, uh, and the wisdom. And I'm, yeah, I feel a sense of fortune uh, to, to be in this conversation yeah. and uh, yeah, some, some really rare and deep golden of wisdom that I felt uh, come through the space today as well, that has really landed Good. deeply in me. Yeah, it's such a blessing to share something that you love with someone else that you deeply love, right? That is just the most beautiful thing. So um, thanks for inviting me. And I think you're doing a service, and especially for the younger people or people who don't know the path or learning about the diamond approach or new to the diamond approach to hear different perspectives, right? Because every teacher has got something different as you're, you're learning. Exactly. Yeah. And so the teaching then lives inside me, inside you, mm -hmm. it develops. It's not just, it's not Hamid's, it's not Karen's. Yeah. So, yeah, I appreciate you inviting me. Yeah, so good. <sighs> yeah. Yeah, any final words before we close? Yeah, for people watching, 
Kindness to the difficulty. Kindness to the difficulty. Kindness to the superego. Kindness to the resistance. Kindness to the whole thing. It's, it has to have that. Hmm. So because of those instincts that young, what we call the animal soul, will only move, not through just understanding, it has to feel the love. Mm. Has to. Doesn't care. That part doesn't care about the understandings only. I think that's one of the most important things I see after all these years. Mm. Has to have the love. Loving kindness. <clears throat> Deep, relentless. Be suspicious when it's not there. Yeah. Mm, thank you for that. Yeah. Yeah. To everyone who tuned in, yet again, so much love. Thank you for joining us for this conversation and stay tuned for the next one. So much love.